Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Um, anybody ever hear the expression, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater? I think we have a slide for that. Do we have a slide for that? I don't have my clicker today. I got confused. There you go. So das Kind mit dem Bada aufschütte. There you go. That expression, the oldest known version of it, comes from a pamphlet published by Thomas Murner in Germany in 1512. That is an old expression. So why would we mention that? Because for the month of March, I'm doing a series of talks around our relationship with Christianity as a unity movement and as individuals, because we are in this season when we are getting ready for the symbolic and ultimately transformative experience that we call Easter. And yet I've been aware of in my 30 plus years in the unity movement that a lot of folks come to unity because they were active in another faith community and for some reason decided to leave there. And oftentimes those reasons are negative. Or there are some people who come to unity uh, because it was the perfect natural progression in their spiritual growth and development. We have a saying I learned many years ago from my ministerial partner in St. Petersburg, Florida, where it's warm today. And <laughs> I know, we remember these things. And she would say, we come together with, re with people or organizations for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. There's nothing wrong with any of those time frames. And so sometimes people complete their tenure at another community and come here, and sometimes they complete their tenure at Unity and go on to somewhere else. Now, the important thing is to take what was vibrant and healthy and incredible and loving and superb and keep it. Don't throw it out with the bath water, which leads us back to Thomas Murner in Germany in 1512. So... If you're ever in a trivia contest, you'll be really glad you were here and you learned that important, um, important bit of trivia. So there are any number of reasons, though, why people would choose to leave faith community, this one and go to that one, or that one and come to this one. So, and I've realized that in that process, a lot of times people carry a resentment. There are reasons why people would leave any relationship and move on to the next one or, or to the next life experience. The problem is when we carry resentments with us. And so what I also hope to accomplish in this season of Lent, the spiritual preparation for Easter, is that we learn a process that we can use not just in addressing Christianity, but addressing any situation in our lives that will help us liberate the energy being dammed up by holding a resentment. You know, we sometimes say holding a resentment is like taking poison and expecting somebody else to die. That energy just, just tears us up. So I've identified a three-point three process for releasing resentments and liberating your energy. And so the first point really is to um, identify what's the problem and say what the problem is, what happened, and be witnessed in having your uh, experience made known. 
one of the problems that uh, plagues us as human beings is we, we sometimes have a bad experience or an awkward experience and don't have the appropriate channel or safe venue to simply be witnessed. Not that anybody can fix what happened. Maybe they can, maybe they can't. But just to be able to articulate this happened and to be known that that happened. And it felt like this when it happened. It impacted me like this because it happened. And so we've got to be able to just say what we need to say to get the energy off our chest. That's where that expression comes from. I just need to be witnessed. You can't fix it. You can't make it go away. You can't change the past just to witness what happened. So when we talk about leaving faith communities, I've identified a simple list of about 17 different reasons <laughs> why this happens. And in fact, you know, we often say, you know, I, I've shared uh, last week, I believe. And if you missed any of these talks in this series that started on March 5th, wherever you get po listen to podcasts, we're there, or just go to our website and you can watch the video. But I, I've mentioned that, uh, you know, if you, if you want to start a new church, the only, you need two things, a resentment and a coffee pot. There you go. We're going to go over here. So I'm going to run through these fairly quickly. Some of these I might take a little bit more time to explain. Well, there's the everyday annoyances. The people weren't nice. The coffee didn't taste good. The signage was bad. The jokes were awful. There were clicks. You know, that sort of thing. We have everyday annoyances. And in fact, I one time heard a church growth consultant say something that's really kind of awful, but I think he was right. He said, you got to be careful, folks. The number one thing that first-time visitors are looking for when they visit a church is a reason not to come back. <laughs> Don't give them one. And what are those reasons? Those everyday annoyances, the rudeness, the, 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 the you're sitting in my seat, that sort of thing. So... And, and, but fortunately, we have good coffee, so we've got that covered. And great jokes. Great jokes. <laughs> Another reason, worship is outdated, or the rituals seem irrelevant, or the format was uninspiring, the music was dull, this sort of thing. It's like, well, why would I keep going back? Nah, I'm leaving. And the third reason, a theology of exclusion. Who was welcome at that church? Are women win leadership? Is the LGBT community welcome? Is there a, 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 a great ethnic diversity? That sort of thing. Or does the culture, does the church have some exclusions known, stated, implicit, or explicit? That is one of the leading reasons why this group of the spiritual but not religious is growing rapidly. Maybe for us as individuals, if we've been a part of a faith community, we have outgrown the theology or what that community offers. That's not a bad thing. It just means our soul is ready for our next step. So that's one reason why people leave. Hypocrisy. They say one thing and do something totally different. The number one thing that Jesus criticized uh, folks for in the Bible, and this is recorded in a lot of different places, was hypocrisy. It happens in human beings that we say that we love and welcome everybody, but we really don't. That's been known to happen. Or sometimes people leave because the community or the organization they're part of has institutional failures and does not address them. 
Some of these are present tense. Some of these are historical. These might include uh, past support for slavery or the owning of enslaved people or running of Indian schools whose purpose was to take one's, the culture of the indigenous people and eliminate it. And sometimes those, those present-day institutional misdeeds include financial scandals, sexual scandals. And as individuals, we say, I can't be a part of that sort of a community. Last week, we talked about the shadow of faith communities. And all, all of them have them. Yes, even unity, dogmatism, blaming the victim, spiritual bypass, and arrogance. We're just a little bit more special than everybody else. Yeah, of course we are. Not. Or maybe there's, there's a situation that individuals were have where you were having a life crisis or a difficult situation and the church itself or the theology provided no comfort or even made it worse. And this same thing happens on the collective, where something happens in the world and you go to get some explanation from your theology or from the clergy or from the community, and the explanations are lame and hollow and not comforting. Yeah, I'm out of there. Oh, sports. <laughs> hey, a lot of kids' sports are on Sundays. And we can't go to church or else, or else the kid can't play in the game. Or, or there's a big gate coming up and we're tailgating. That is a big one in faith community circles. Um, how about this? Maybe as individuals, we found other ways of experiencing the, the divine that were more fulfilling. Not that there was any problem with the church, just I found something that was more fulfilling. Or maybe there are a variety of negative associations. Perhaps you've seen people on faith on television or in the news saying or doing things that you really just did not agree with. And you think to yourself, I cannot be a part of that sort of an experience. I can't even use that name and apply it to myself. Or maybe you just don't have time. We're busy people. We work at home now. We can work at home seven days a week. Yeah, so a lot of folks simply don't have time. Or maybe there's not a church that meets your needs in your area or a faith community. Or maybe you've realized that there is a big difference between Christianity and churchianity. Christianity puts the teachings of Jesus and the understanding of Christ's consciousness first. Churchianity puts the church first and our rules, and our culture. And for a lot of folks, that doesn't work. For a lot of folks, it does. Again, I'm not trying to be uh, arrogant or criticize any other community, but this is a factor why a lot of folks leave church. Or maybe you're just a completely secular person. It's like, there's no reason for me to go to church. I just totally just don't have a belief system that aligns with what's going on there. Anybody experience any of those? Or am I just shooting in the dark? Okay, all right, great, a few of you. Thanks for, for your candor. Let's go up to the third slide. I skipped the second one entirely. Lent, let's eliminate negative thinking. But here's something, let's go to the next one. I, I left my clicker. Okay, here's a long quote from the Pew Center for uh, Research. Among those who attend religious services regularly, Large majorities across all demographic groups and major Christian traditions say that becoming closer to God is a very important factor in their decision to attend religious services. Smaller majorities in most Christian traditions name instilling a moral foundation in their children, becoming a better person, 
seeking comfort in times of trouble, finding value in the sermon, thank you, amen, and being a part of a community of faith as key reasons why they attend religious services. Community and engagement with divinity are so important. And I like to think that's what we offer, and that's what other faith communities offer, regardless of the religion. These are important values that people have. They also allow us to develop a sense of culture and a sense of belonging, a sense of community. There is such wonderful benefits when you find the culture, the community, and the teaching all in one place that work for you. I like to think we provide that. Now, we've recently been sharing a definition of what unity is. Next slide, please. And this was created over a period of 18 months in the year 2005. Again, committee work. That's why it takes a while. But it also took a while because in unity, our theology is so expansive that trying to label it and make it into a short elevator speech is a bit problematic for us. But we like to believe that we are living into this definition. Unity is a positive, practical, progressive approach to Christianity based on the teachings of Jesus and the power of prayer. Unity honors the universal truths in all religions and respects the individual's right to choose a spiritual path. This is big and expansive and highlights the fact that our emphasis in unity is not so much on the institution, but on the individual. We have as a desire that what we teach and what we invite you to engage in will allow you to discern for yourself how to be closer to God, how to build those communities, how to provide that moral foundation for your children. So I realize a lot of folks come to a place like this. And as we shared in our metaphysical group this morning, and will again next week, a lot of us still maintain some ambivalence, maybe not even negativity, but ambivalence towards this thing we call the Christian experience. Well, if that is the case, or if you have an outright resentment about that, or really any other thing in your life, and you want to transform that energy, then the second step, and this is a really important one, is to be willing to let it go. To be willing to let it go. To say to yourself, you know, I've been holding a lot of energy feeling ambivalent about X, Y, or Z, or I've been holding a lot of energy being angry at X, Y, or Z. Am I willing to let that go? You see, here's the rub about that and why you might know people who hang on to resentments for years and years and years. Surely nobody in this room or online, but you might know someone. Why do we do that as human beings? Quite possibly, we've grown comfortable in our position. I maintain my righteous indignation. It helps define who I am. If I'm not angry, I don't know who I am anymore because I've gotten so attached to it, so married to holding the moral high ground. They did this to me, and I survived, so I'm better than them. There is a positionality 
that we have made a final decision. And this is where I'm going to be. Even if maintaining that position means taking a lot of your life energy that you will never get back and using it for that rather than using it to create something good and fun and rich and to be available to share. What do we get for that? Well, again, we've, uh, whenever we've come to a point where we've decided this is who I am, we have to do that work of being willing to release what is so that what can become happens. Let's think about the whole Easter story. If you think about the, the Jesus experience in that story, there was somebody who had this earthly form, and yet, Father, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And as we say in unity, the will that of God for all of us is absolute good. Not a specific, an absolute good. The details are up to us. But sometimes we have to be willing to die, to let go of, to release. Die is a is a powerful image. We know what that is. So that something better or different or new or more expansive can take its place. So if you're holding resentment and anger about, about your former church, your former mate, your former job, your former boss, what if you no longer had that resentment? What would be different? How much more joy could you have if this went from being something that motivates my self, sense of self and how I behave and how I act and what I do now and became instead, this is just part of my story that happened. And if you can't get to that point of equanimity, could, would you be willing to live with those experiences kind of as a chronic condition? I know a lot of people who live with chronic conditions, whether it's diabetes or a Shoe inserts, that's mine. Um, oh, it's a chronic condition. Well, I have shoe inserts. Okay, I understand. I have flat feet. Great. It doesn't stop me from living a rich, full, and abundant life. So any of us who lives with a chronic condition knows that we can maintain it. We can be in relationship with it. But it doesn't have to run and dictate everything we say and do. You see, are we willing to be at peace? Are we willing to let go of anger and resentment. That's the big work. And sometimes we just need to hang on to it for a while. We're not done with it yet because we haven't received the blessing from it yet. But as we think about this transformative period of Easter, what are we willing to let go of? There's a wonderful Linton booklet that Unity produced, and I know many of you have copies of it, 40 Days of Letting Go. Can I have the next slide, please? And there was a quote in um, one of the entries, and I just loved it. And it's, uh, it was written by uh, the entry by Reverend Beatrice Bell. And she said, Jesus said, do not resist the evildoer. So let the circumstances flow and stay focused on omnipresent love. The power to choose is always in each of us. Let's practice it wisely. I love that. Omnipresent love is always available to us. It takes a lot of work to let something go, especially if we've been holding on to it for a long time. I have a very dear friend who once said, I've never let something go that didn't have claw marks. 
Thank you for that, Lisa. All right, let's retract the clause and let's move on. So we've been looking for in this series of talks about focusing on, on negativity and ambivalence towards Christianity. And like I said, if we have negativity and ambivalence towards anything, the process is the same. First step is to say, what is it? What happened? What did I feel? Where did this come from? What's the impact? The second step is to be willing to let it go. So this week, your homework, and there's always homework here at Unity of Fairfax, is to ask yourself, am I holding on to negativity and resentment about something, and how willing am I to let it go? Next week, we're going to put it all together and, and lean into some tools, a big one in particular, that will help us to let it go so that love can flow. Peace be with you. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.